Amen. What a great, great message for us today. You know, I think sometimes that uh, preaching isn't so much about studying and putting together uh, thoughts. It's sometimes just about listening and writing as fast as you can about what the Lord's been teaching you. And uh, I've been really excited about some things that the Lord's been uh, stirring in my heart to share with you uh, this morning. And I gotta tell you right up front, I need you to kinda hang with me because I think this may be the most unusual sermon I've ever preached in my life. Maybe, certainly in just a moment, I'll tell you the title of it, the strangest title I've ever preached in my life. But I couldn't write fast enough as the Lord was speaking to my heart. I, uh, I pastored uh, for about eight years in, outside Fort Wayne, Indiana. And uh, the church I pastored had a lot of influx of people who had come from the apostolic church. And uh, it, it come from a, a group of people, and, and they would come and tell me. I had never visited an apostolic church. I couldn't tell you much about them. But they would tell me that the sermons that they used to hear about were about dress codes and what kind of color ties that would be appropriate uh, for men to wear in, in churches and how long the dresses should be of the ladies and things like that. And and they would come to our church, and they would just be so excited about hearing about grace. And they would catch a hold of the message of grace, and, and just they were, their lives were being transformed. And it was always such an interesting uh, experience to hear their story about what they had been used to hearing about uh, from the pulpit. And so today, I, I felt like the Lord wanted me to, to, to preach on this. It's called An Appropriate Attire for holy living. The appropriate attire for holy living. Now, don't get up and leave yet, okay? Because uh, I think there's a, there's, a, there's a thing, something that the Lord's really trying to get a hold of us here. When I, when I, um, I speak in a lot of camps, two or three usually a summer, uh, when I get invited to speak to a camp meeting, one of the first things I always do is, is write the president and ask the most important question of all. You know what it is? What's the dress code? Right, and because I've I've spoken in for the last twenty five or thirty years, I've been preaching in camp meetings, and I, I can tell you that I've been in just about every imaginable kind of camp and uh, across the country, and every imaginable dress code, and and so I always at, like to ask that question: what, What's the dress code for camp? And I, I I always get a lot of wide variety, and so my my point is I'm not going to judge you for what your dress code is. I'll just I'll try to fit into that because. Uh, I, I just, that's not a really big, big thing to me. Um, my wife's always saying to me, because she, oftentimes she'll come and join me at camp, what are they wearing? What are they wearing? I don't know. And so, so I'll try to ask what are the ladies wearing at the services, and that's a big thing to her. She always wants to know that. But I've learned how important that question is. I was uh, asked that question one time at a camp meeting um, up north one time, and, and uh, the, the president told me, he said, well, this is, this is very clear. You have to wear a suit and tie every service. You're on the platform every service. You have to be in a suit and tie every service. And when you preach, you have to, be in a, you have to keep your jacket on uh, until you read the scripture and get through your first point. And then once you get through your first point of your sermon, you can ditch the coat. Okay. I got to my first point really quick, and that's that camp meeting. I was just rushing right ahead, you know, to kind of get to that first so I could so I could take the, the jacket, jacket off. Uh, I'll tell you, that we got teasing about this dress code, and one of the other evangelists dared me at the last night to take my tie off as well. And uh, 
I'm, I'm bad to turn down a good dare, you know. And so I worked it into the sermon and took my tie off as well. And I've never been invited back um, from that camp. But um, I, I, for the most part, until the last service, I, I, I adhered to the rules. I was speaking at a camp uh, recently, and um, the president called, and I said, you know, we've had all kinds of battles about dress code and things like that, and we've been freed up from that. And uh, so you, all you have to wear is, uh, we, we, we prefer you to wear kind of a dress shirt and dress slacks or something like that. And, and, and if you'll do that, it's fine. Don't wear a suit and tie. Don't wear a tie, uh, except maybe if you want to on Sunday. And so I was like, oh, that's great. And about three days later, I got a call from the vice president who said, uh, hey, we're so glad you're coming. We're praying for you. And you'll probably be told not to wear a jacket and tie, but you really need to. <laughs> Boy, I'm not getting involved in that one, right? I'm going to stay out of that one. Who do I? Well, I understand authority, so I'm going to go with what the president said, okay? And uh, as opposed to what the vice president said. Yeah, there's a dress code is a really, really important thing. What you wear is important. My son, my oldest son, he just turned 30. Uh, he's, I don't know where he got this, but he's, he's a minimalist. You guys know what a minimalist are? You know, they just, they try to live with the, the, the minimum amount of stuff that you need. And he's determined, if you look in his closet, all you need are six outfits. That's all you need. And, and you can, you can make it through life on just six outfits. One goes bad or you just buy another one. So you always keep about six outfits in your, uh, in your closet. He didn't get that from his mom and I, uh, I don't know where he got it. I don't know what book he read on that, but and I, I got thinking about this idea of uh, appropriate attire for holy living. And I began to think about my son's minimalistic mindset of these six outfits. And what I began to realize is the Bible gives us some clear instructions about our attire, the clothing that we should be wearing as holy people. Now, we may be familiar with verses of Scripture like Galatians chapter 3, verse 27, and it says this, And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. It's putting on Christ. It's, a, it, it's, it's being clothed in Christ. Romans chapter 13, verse 14. Instead, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, and don't let yourself think about ways to indulge in your evil Desire. So as we clothe ourselves in Christ and we put on Christ in the new nature that we have in Christ, we're not supposed to live our lives fulfilling the evil desires of the flesh. And then there's this passage of Scripture. Now, one of the things I love about camp meeting is how the Holy Spirit kind of coordinates all the messages and the music. Uh, your song today has, has, has something, a line in it is in my message today. And Yesterday, the Lord had just been pouring out some things in my heart, and I was writing those things down, and I got to Steve's message yesterday morning, and he's in the same chapter that I'm feeling like the Lord wants me to talk about here, and I'm getting nervous, you know, and then uh, he's going up to it, and then he mentions my verses of Scripture here in verses 12 through 16, and I'm thinking, I almost yelled out, no, Steve, no, that's mine, <laughs> and uh, he mentioned it, but he, he backed off a little bit. He must have been hearing my prayer. He must have been listening to the Spirit. Thank you, Steve. For not going because I had to all this time. I've been writing this stuff down that I just had to just let it go. But listen to these verses of scripture again. Steve mentioned them yesterday, but I want to just spend a little more time into them on this attire, appropriate attire for holy people and holy living. Chapter 3 of Colossians, verses 12 through 16 says this Since God cho chose you to be holy people, he loves, you must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercies, kindness, 
humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. And always be thankful, and let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom that he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And listen to this line here. Since God chose you to be holy, you must clothe yourself with. Some appropriate attire for holy living. Notice in verse 12 that these are the clothes that God has chosen for us to live. I was with a uh, at Indian Springs uh, and the other evangelist, Dave Smith, and uh, he was, we went to college together. And he said, I didn't realize we were supposed to wear a tie on Sunday. And I said, uh, well, I've got a couple extra ones. I said, do you want to borrow one of my ties? He said, sure. I said, what, what, what color do you want? He goes, I don't know. My wife picks out my outfits. And so give them to me and I'll share them with her. And she picked it out. And she said, she chooses all my clothing. She just lays it out on the bed and that's what I, that's what I get dressed with. These are, these, are the, these are the clothes that God has chosen for us to dress in as holy, holy people. These are the outfits that God has laid out and picked out for us to wear as his people. And, and I think sometimes we talk about this holy, holiness message and we don't think about the clothes that, that are appropriate, the attire that's appropriate for us to wear. But also notice in verse 12 that it says, this is the clothing that we must wear. This isn't a suggestion. This isn't a, here God laid this out and Hey, if you'd like to wear these kind of clothes, then, then, then that's fine. If you want to be holy people and be holy as I'm holy. Now, these are the outfits. These are the approved uh, uh, clothing that we are to clothe ourselves with as God's holy people. Dr. John in Bible study yesterday was referring to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 2 and 5 in his study. And by the way, what a great study is. What a great challenge he gave to us this morning on holiness. And it's so fit what the Lord had been stirring in my heart. But I want to read this passage of Scripture that he read yesterday because what I began to realize was this Colossians 3 passage of Scripture, you can lay down, and then this 2 Timothy passage of Scripture in chapter 3, you can lay them on top of each other, and almost everything in this clothing list that God's must wear for holy people are things that will be, will be problematic in these perilous times that we're living in these end times. It's, it's incredible. These days we're living. Listen to what, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. And you can take this catalog of the clothing that God has called us to wear in Colossians chapter 3. And, and you can see in these last days, these perilous times that we're living in, how people have shed this godly clothing. And let me say this. I think even among holiness people, we've dropped the approved 
clothing list. Now, I'm not not talking about the color of tie that we wear. I'm not talking about the, the things, no shorts or this or that. I'm talking about this list that God gave us, that God laid out for us to wear as his holy people. Let's look through the list. If you have a piece of paper, I want you to write down these, these six items, which I think was interesting. I didn't know. Maybe my son is divinely inspired by these six outfits that he wears and keeps in his closet because there's six on this list. Number one, we should clothe ourselves with tender mercies. The song we sang, the hymn we sang, talks about God's tender, tender mercies. There are two important words here when you think about this clothing of tender mercies. The first is the word mercies, and the other one is the word tender. Mercy could also be translated as compassion. When we think about the mercies of God, we think about his compassion. In fact, in the King James Version, it talks about the bowels of mercy, which was seen as the seat of of violent passions, which is really interesting because it was viewed in, in that time frame where the, the, the violent passions, the extremes of these passions were anger on one extreme and love on the other. And these, these came out of the, the, the tender, the bowels of mercies or the compassion. I was reminded in, in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, when Jesus saw the multitude, when Jesus saw the crowd, what did it say? He was moved with compassion. He didn't become critical of them. He didn't begin to condemn them. He was moved with compassion. Now, that's a rare thing in our day because in the holiness world, we have a tendency to kind of look at people and judge them for their character and their behavior. We have a tendency to, to think of ourselves as more highly than we ought to think, and we have a tendency to kind of put others down. And, and rather than having a spirit of uh, compassion, we have a tendency to be a little bit more critical and to criticize uh, and, 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 and it seems like one of the predominant themes in our churches, not just holiness churches, but I think in churches today that's, that's just destroying our witness and destroying uh, our, our purpose and destroying uh, the love in our churches is this critical spirit of other people. And we talk about this clothing, it's like we get dressed and we, we put on our, our criticism and our critical spirits and and the pastor finishes preaching, and you, you get out, and you hear the things that you didn't say. I can't tell you how many times I've had, been walking out, someone's walked out of church, and then they told me, you know, uh, you didn't say this. i got a great line for that. I only had 30 minutes to preach, you know, and there's a lot of things I didn't say, right? Critical. When he saw the com- crowd, he was moved with compassion. Moved with compassion. Moved to do something. The second word in that in that uh, critical uh, piece of clothing is the word tender. The word tender is something that is sensitive. And, and when you think about this idea of tender mercies, it's this idea of compassion. Where we're to put on the compassion of the Lord Jesus Christ, where Jesus was moved with compassion. And they be, it should be tender mercies or tender compassion, where our hearts are sensitive to the, to the things of the Spirit, where our hearts are, are, are tender and sensitive to the needs of other people around us. And again, not just our own needs. What does Paul tell us in Timothy uh, chapter 3, 2 Timothy chapter 3? In these perilous days that we're living in, people will be unforgiving. They won't be full of tender compassions towards other people. They'll, they'll have a, a spirit of criticism and, and hold people to these, these unbelievable standards and, and, and trying to get people to match up to our standard of 
of what's right and wrong rather than allowing God's spirit to work in the hearts of people. And, and one of the first things that God lays out for us as an article of clothing is, is to, for holy living, appropriate living, is tender mercies, the tender mercies of God. The second thing that he lays out for us in this closet is we are to clothe ourselves with kindness. Tender mercies, kindness. Kindness means goodwill. It means benevolence. It means that temper or disposition which delights in contributing to the happiness of others. Uh, Dr. John said it a hundred times this morning. Holiness is about others. And this idea of kindness is, is again, it's not about us, as, as John said this morning. It's not about uh, me. It's about the needs of others and showing God's love and God's kindness towards other people. It's, it's contributing to the happiness of others, which is expressed cheerfully and gratifyingly and hoping to gratify their wishes rather than our, our own. Supplying their wants or alleviating their distresses. It is showing kindness to others. Can you imagine if, if we were to put on these tender mercies and be moved to compassion with the needs of other people that come into our sanctuaries, that come into our presence, and we had a, just had a heart for people and a heart to kind of, uh, whatever their needs were, to, be, to be, have compassion for them and to show kindness to them. We talk about being entirely sanctified and yet, oftentimes, God's people, holiness people, are so unkind. And it doesn't seem to fit. I mean, we have this doctrine that I, that I believe in with all of my heart, and yet, times, its practice is, is disgusting. Let me say this to you. When you're unkind, you're unholy. To be unkind is to be unholy. And I don't care what you profess. If what you practice doesn't match that, if they're not compatible with one another, if you're saying, well, I, I, I have this perfect love and I, I have I've received this uh, entire sanctification, and yet you turn around and are completely unkind to people who think differently than you do, that's unholy. What did Paul say in, to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3? Three words he described in these perilous times that would describe these people in perilous times. They'd be rash, they'd be abusive, and they'd be slanderous. Does that sound like clothed with kindness? Does it sound like something that's practiced in our churches today? Yes. I'm also intrigued not only how much we can take this uh, clothing list that God laid out for us in, in Colossians chapter 3 and, and to lay it over on 2 Timothy chapter 3, but I'm also amazed at how closely this list fits Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit-filled life. And, and, and so we talk about this, the Holy Spirit as the sanctifier and how the Holy Spirit comes and, and cleanses us from sin. And, and as, as John talked about this morning, it's this progressive work that takes place. A lot of people go back to that initial sanctification and they claim that as their, their, their testimony, but there's a whole lot of work that's not being done in their lives. And, and the Bible says that one of the works and one of the fruits of the Spirit-filled life is 
that the Spirit is producing a, a kindness in us towards other people. Clothe yourself with tender mercies, compassion, with kindness. The third outfit on the, on the bed is clothe yourself with humility. Clothe yourself with humility. As I think about one of the most attractive outfits that we can wear as God's holy people, it's to clothe ourselves with humility. Have you ever, have you ever, have, do you have a particular outfit that you wear? Maybe it's the color of the outfit, or maybe it's the style of the outfit that, that every time you put it on, someone says to you, man, you look good. You look good in that color. That, that, that brings out the, 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 the color in your eyes, or, or that, you look really, really good in that outfit. And they, they highlight it. They, they talk about it every time. Well, I want to tell you something today that I believe with all my heart. One of the most needed things that we need uh, in our holiness circles is humility. And nothing looks better on God's people than that of humility. You must clothe yourself with humility, Paul tells us. Peter also brings up this idea. Now, it's not only Paul who points out this idea that God's chosen this clothing to pick out this clothing for us to wear as appropriate attire for holy living and holy people. But 1 Peter chapter 5, uh, verse 5 and 6 says this, All of you, this isn't just a, a select few, all of you clothe yourself with humility towards one another. Remember in the Bible say this morning? John's telling us that it's, it's, it's about being in a relationship with one another. Because God opposes the proud, but he shows grace and favor to the humble. Therefore, verse 6 says, Humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. So one of the reasons why putting on this clothing of humility is so important is because God resists the proud. He, he withholds, but he gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to the humble. Let's lay this verses, let's lay this a few verses of scripture over uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3. What are, the th- what are the three words that describe in these perilous days that we're living in? Proud, conceited, and boastful. Now, there, there was a time in my life that I would have thought to myself as you read through this 2 Timothy chapter 3 passage of scripture, that he's talking about unchurched, ungodly people. But I see this in a lot of Christian circles and in a lot of holiness circles. Pride, conceit, and boasting. And it's not very attractive to the Christian message, to the message of the Scriptures, nor to the message of Scripture holiness. I love Numbers chapter 12, verse 3. It says that Moses was the most humble man who ever lived on the face of the earth. And by the way, Moses wrote the Pentateuch. (laughs) Have you ever thought about that? But he was inspired by God. And he lived this holy, humble life. And I began to ask myself, why, why was he able to attain that title as the most humble person that ever lived on the face of the earth. And here's what I came up with. I think it's because he was serving beyond his ability 
And he had the, and the bond he had in the presence of God. He was living beyond his ability. Now, let's, let's unpack that just for a second. God comes to uh, Moses in this holy moment. He, he draws near to the burning bush, and he has this en- encounter with God, and God begins to describe for him how he's going to use him to, 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 to make a difference and to go to Egypt and deliver his people. He's heard the cries of his people. And, and what does Moses do? Yes, I'm so glad you called me to, to such a task as this. I'm up for it, and I've been preparing for this, and I've got the education to do this, and, and uh, I, think I, can do, I think I can do the job, and I think you've chosen the right person. Is that what Moses says? No, nothing like that at all. He's like, what? I mean, and, and he is, he's beginning to make excuses why I'm not the guy for this. Lord, there has to be someone else. There has to be someone more better suited for this, and someone who could... Who's better gifted than I am for this? Because God had been humbling Moses in those 40 years in the desert. There was there was first 40 years of life, he thought he was he was the prince, right? He was he was he was he was the next in line, and then 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 through a series of experiences what God will do. Because once we pride enters into our heart, God uh, breaks us of the pride. And he humbles us. We either humble ourselves or the, or the Lord will do it. And let me tell you something. When he does it, it's a pretty complete job, by the way, isn't it? <laughs> and, and so Moses, he, he's wrestling with the Lord and, and, and this burning bush experience. And, and what I think happened is he realizes he's beyond his, his abilities. He's beyond his uh, capacity to go do this thing. And, and by the way, I think sometimes we're good at doing what we're good at rather than doing what God calls us to do, where we're totally dependent upon God. Like, well, God, I can't even get through this message, Lord, if you don't give me the strength, if you don't give me the words to say. I, I remember when God first called me in high school to preach. And the, I argued and argued with the Lord about preaching because I, the, what I said to myself was, I can't, I can't stand up in front of people and speak. I was terrified of that idea. And I think sometimes when we get this idea, oh, yeah, I've got some gifts in that, and I could, I could, God could use me in that, and that's where God doesn't. He resists the proud. But Moses is living beyond his ability. He's, he's walking by faith as he goes on this journey to deliver, and he's completely overwhelmed. He's completely dependent upon God, and he's developed a bond with being in the presence of God. And I want to tell you these two things. If you're, if you're serving God beyond your ability, where you're completely dependent upon him, and you formed a bond in his presence, there's no room for you to be arrogant and proud and to be boastful. Rick Warren years ago adapted a quote from C.S. Lewis that said this, Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less and less and less. I love in the, the King James Version of this list in Colossians chapter 3, it calls it humbleness of mind. Humbleness of mind. Not just to be humble, but a humbleness of mind. True humility is, is a different thought process. It's a different mindset. It's as the scripture says in Philippians chapter 2 verse 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. That's, that's pride. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. That is the humbleness of mindset that God's called us to live. That's what he's called us, the clothing that is appropriate for us to put on. So what's, what's on, the, what's on the, in the shelf in the closet so far? Clothe yourselves with tender mercies. Clothe yourself with kindness, with humility, 
Notice number four. Clothe yourself, clothe yourself with gentleness. Gentleness means softness of manners, mildness of temper. I love this one. Sweetness of disposition. Do you know some people who haven't understood that part of the definition? <laughs> uh, that when, when a new idea is introduced in the church, I remember I was pastoring the, uh, on the side, I was pastoring the, the missionary church in Wilmore. They, they had lost their pastor, and they asked me years ago if I would kind of fill it in on the side. And uh, we had pews in the, in the church. And uh, there's nothing wrong with pews. I'm not against pews. But uh, we did get rid of the pews in the church, and here's the reason why. They were so close together that you couldn't get in the pew without the entire pew kind of turned sideways and going out. And, and, uh, and so we, we bought chairs and had them in. Well, I thought this was interesting because no one sat in the pews, partly because you couldn't get in them. We had these cushion chairs in the back, and everyone sat in the back in the cushion chairs. And I walked in one day and overheard this conversation. One of the sweet saints of our church who was just aggravated because we had done away with the pews. I thought to myself, she never sits in them. <laughs> she never sits there. She always sat in the padded seats. And I, I decided not to jump into the conversation, but I listened on as one of our godly men in the, in the church began to speak to her. He said, you know what? He said, I, I like the pews too. But see, you know what I really like? Is to see young people coming into the church and our seats being filled up with people who are coming in. And, it, and it, it's not about the pews. It's not about the chairs. It's about the ministry that takes place, a gentleness, a softness, a sweetness of disposition. The other word there is the word meekness. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 5, blessed are the meek. Meekness and gentleness is not weakness. It's power under control. Philippians chapter 4, verse 5 says this, let your gentleness be evident to all. We're supposed to clothe ourselves with this gentleness that it's a, it's a kind of a a sweetness of disposition. It's a softness of manner. It's a mildness of temper that should be evident to all of our passion for Jesus. First Peter chapter 3, verse 15, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord and always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you for the reason, for the hope that you have. Always be prepared. But then he adds this, this caveat to it. But do this with gentleness and respect. How many of you learn that uh, fighting with people doesn't win the best arguments in the faith? Do you like to be right? And, and, and sometimes I think, you know, um, I am right on that because that's what the Scripture says. But sometimes my approach with what I know is right is wrong. And I'm learning, rather than shutting down a, an argument because I'm making my point, is to clothe myself with gentleness and always be ready to talk about the hope that's within me and to talk about, be ready to talk about the Scripture, but to do it with gentleness and respect. Lay it over the passage of Scripture in 2 Timothy chapter 3. What does Paul say we're going to be? Brutal. Brutal. Have you seen that? It's like we think, man, if I just put on my, if my, if I put on my warfare and I put on my armor 
And I go out, if I just fight people, I'll be a better soldier for the Lord. And we're turning people away left and right from that message. In fact, I've even learned this in my own kids. Sometimes I believed what was right so much that I just wanted to fight for what was right. And I've had to learn to add and put on the clothing of gentleness. 1 Peter 3, 4, verse says, You should clothe yourself instead with the beauty that comes from within, the unfaded beauty of a gentle and a quiet spirit, which is so precious to God. Remember that, again, in Galatians chapter 5, 22 and 23, that gentleness is a fruit, a byproduct of the spirit-filled life. Number five, we should clothe ourselves with patience. Patience means a calm temper which bears evil without murmuring or discontent. The act or quality of waiting long for justice. I love verse 13 in this passage of Scripture in Colossians chapter 3. It says, make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you, right? As, as God's holy people, one of the appropriate attire that we should be putting on is the spirit of patience where we make allowances for other people's faults. Have you realized that sometimes as God's holy people, we are impatient with what God's doing in someone else's life? And we're not very consistent. You know what my personal pet peeve in life is? It's inconsistency. <coughs> when your expectation of me is so much different than your expectation of yourself. When my expectation of you is much higher than my expectation of myself. <coughs> Clothe yourself with patience. It's reminded of Matthew chapter 18. Remember the story of the unmerciful servant. And he went to his master. He owed him an amount of money he couldn't pay and he couldn't do. And, and so he prayed and he asked the master, be patient with me and I'll pay you back. And the master was gracious, and he forgave him the debt. And he went out and forgot about the patience that he had and found someone that owed him some money and demanded that he pay it immediately. Short-term memory. And that servant said to him the same thing he had said to his master. Be patient with me. And I'll repay you it all. But the Bible says he threw him into prison until he could pay the debt. And the master, when he, word came to him about what he had done, he was furious. And he called for him and threw him in prison until he could pay the debt completely because he had received patience and forgiveness and didn't pass it on. You realize today, as God's holy people, we should display the same level of patience with others as we desire for God to have with us. How many times are we the ones who have a debt that we cannot pay? We have no means of paying this enormous debt. And we want God to be patient with us. I'm, I'm on a journey. I'm on a process. And then we turn around and hold people to such incredibly high standards that they can't meet. And we punish them until they are. 2 Timothy chapter 3, what is the word here? Without self-control. 
Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit is what? Patience. When the Spirit's working within our lives and we're clothed with patience, he, it makes all the difference. It's an evidence of the spiritual life. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Patience and holiness are fitted so well together. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. We are to be, we are to be experiencing this peace and holiness with everyone. Patience. We are to clothe ourselves with tender mercies, with kindness, with humility, with gentleness, patience. And lastly, we are to clothe ourselves with love. Now listen to this in verse 14. Above all, this is a pretty incredible list. This is a pretty amazing wardrobe that God has pulled out for us not the color of ties that we wear, not the length of the skirts and all the other things we talk about in terms of dress codes. This is, this is God's wardrobe for those who choose to be holy people. Tender mercies, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, and love. It's an incredible list, but he says this, above all, clothe yourselves with love. Not legalism, but love. Love is the summary of all the things that have been described in this passage. Love perfectly fulfills what God requires of us in our relationships with God and our relationships with other people. And the Bible tells us in 1 John chapter 4, verse 18 that perfect love casts out all fear. And it should also be fast to let that love flow to other people. We, we understand that well, when, when you have, we have perfect love, then we don't need to have any fear. But it should also flow. This is the real test of holiness. Because as 1 John 4, verse 20 says, if, we are, if we're saying that we love God but we hate our brother, how can God's love be in us? Our theology of perfect love should be practical and be practiced in our relationship with others. Do you hear that? Our theology of perfect love should be practical and practiced in our relationships with others. As Paul would write in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 in that great famous love passage of Scripture, that without love, even though I have all these gifts, and even though I, ha I can have enough faith to move mountains, and even though I have all these things, without love, I am nothing. You know what that word means in the Greek? Nothing. <laughs> Absolutely nothing without love. 2 Timothy chapter 3, as we overlay this, this wardrobe that God's called us to wear as holy people, he describes four things about the problem with love in the latter days. You know what they are? People will only love themselves, and they will love money. They will be unloving towards others and love pleasure more than they love God. And many churches today are promoting that kind of clothing. Again, the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, 22 and 23, when the Spirit is at work in our lives, what does it do? The fruit of the Spirit is love, genuine love. Now let me say this, and I want you to hear me out. I don't disagree with the fundamental beliefs of the holiness message. But I have become disgusted by the behavior of many holiness people. 
I don't disagree with the, the beliefs of the message of holiness, 100%. In my mind, this is the doctrine of the Scripture. And yet I see so many Christ followers and people who have grown up listening to this holiness unto the Lord message that their behavior is much different than their beliefs. What we profess and what we possess should not be different. They should, they should be uh, combined. And I believe it's unattractive and ineffective when they don't match. Several years ago, uh, the Lord called my wife and I and our three kids to move to um, outside the Pittsburgh area and to plant a church. I can tell you the one thing I never had on my bucket list was to plant a church. I never wanted to be a church planter. And uh, God, God called us as three couples had met together, and they said, uh, we believe God's calling you to be our pastor to plant this church. And I'm like, yeah, it's great. No, I'm not, not interested in doing that. And, and uh, so they asked us to come up and visit, and they were going to gather a, a group of people who were interested in this church plan. And so my wife and I, we got in the van. We drove to Pennsylvania from Kentucky, and, and we went. And I couldn't wait to get out and to get in the van. And they were like, we really want you to pray about this. And I'm like, yeah, well, I've done the, the holy sanctified thing. Yeah, we'll pray about it. We'll talk, we'll, we'll talk about it. And and as soon as we left the driveway, I told Cheryl, I said, never. There's no way we're ever going to do that. By the way, don't ever say never. <laughs> and, uh, and by the time we got back to Wilmore, <clears throat> it was about an eight-hour drive, we, uh, we had this sense that God was calling us to leave our ministry and, and to go plant this church with these three couples of meeting in the garage. And God's Spirit began to pour out in that, in that experience, and we went from three couples into a garage to before, before long, we had 100 people and then 200 people, and then we were, we were moving. We, we used to talk about we used to be the place to, to, to join us for worship if you could find us because we, we were always moving around trying to find another location where we could. We went from restaurants to fire halls. to We finally hit the big time, and we, we, we had a local school that rented us out, their big gymnasium. And, and so we were meeting in there, and we'd grown to about three, 400 people. And uh, one day the principal called me, and he said, uh, I got a problem. He said, we love having you here. You guys do a great job taking care of the place. But we got to shut down the school for the entire month of August because we have to wax the floor. So uh, you can't meet here during the month of August. And uh, as soon as we get done waxing the floors, once school starts back up, you guys can come back and join us. So I'm thinking to myself, we don't own any property. We don't have any facilities. We'd outgrown a lot of the other buildings in the town. And so we're, I, mean, I was praying and praying and praying. And, and one day I was driving down the road, and I saw this sign for a holiness campground. And I thought to myself, cha-ching, right? I mean, I'm, I grew up in holiness camps, and, and most of the camps are only used about 10 days out of the year. And, and so I, I drove by the campground and, and found the name and, and looked it up and, and called the president of the campground. And, and I said, listen, I, I don't know anything about your camp, but I'm a pastor in the community. We've got this new church called Harvest Community Church. And, and uh, I just wanted to know, is there any way uh, that we could use your camp facility uh, for those four Sundays where we can't be at the school. And he, he said to me, he said, well, we can't do that because uh, uh, he said the, the camp's not cleaned yet and it, it wouldn't be ready for you guys. We, we don't have work day till, till later on uh, towards the end of the month. And so there, we, we really couldn't do that. So I, I got an idea for you. I said, well, how about if I bring my crew over from our church and we'll clean the entire campground for you and if you let us use it the first time, we'll pay you to use it for those four Sundays. We won't use it for any other time during the week, just on Sunday mornings. 
and we'll pay you for using it. We'll do all the cleaning, and when we're done, we'll reclean the whole camp. I thought it was a pretty good deal, didn't you? And he said, well, you know, that might, that might be a, a okay thing. And so he, we agreed, and I said, so what day? So we, on a Saturday before the first Sunday we were going to use the, uh, the camp, we all showed up, and I had this big crew of workers. Now, we were reaching unchurched people. We were reaching a lot of people who, who had no faith, no background in the, in, in, in the church, and, and some people were pretty rough. God was, God was transforming some people, but we had some people who had been on a rough journey, and they, were, they, had, they had a lot of wrinkles that needed to be ironed out, right? <laughs> God wasn't done working on them. And so we're, we're gathered around, and we have all our buckets and cleaning supplies. And, and so we're all there. We got there early, and we're ready to go. And finally, the, the president shows up, and he gets out of his car, and, and he looks at me. He goes, uh, this isn't going to work. I said, well, why not? And he's pointed around the circle and began to point to some people around the circle, and he said, that's not Holiness. I know it had told us that there was a dress code on the camp. It wasn't during camp time, and so a lot of our team had showed up in shorts, and some had tattoos, and, and they weren't dressed like the normal person who comes to camp meeting. And he said this, you guys are going to have to leave because that's not holiness. I was a lot younger then, and I didn't have a filter. <laughs> and I said, you know, I said, I grew up in holiness camps too. But I don't think that judgmental attitude is holiness either. He said, well, I don't care. You need to leave. And he turned and got in his car and drove off. And here we were, a group of people, prepared to clean so that we could have church for the next four Sundays in an old-fashioned holiness tabernacle. And now we have no place to go. And immediately everyone looks at me and says, well, what are you going to do? I don't know what I'm going to do. I said, uh, the only thing I can think to do is let's pray. So we gathered around a circle, and we started praying, and we prayed. I remember we prayed some things like, Lord, we don't know where to go. Show us where to go. We, we have no place to meet tomorrow morning. We've got a lot of people, the word's out that we're meeting here. We don't really have the means, to, the ability at this point to get the word out to everyone else or where we're going to meet at. Lord, show us where you want us to go, what you want us to do. And then I remember someone started praying for the president of the camp and started praying that God's spirit would, would move on that, that campground and, and change the heart of that president who had just kicked us off. And out of the corner of my ear, I began to hear a car coming back. I thought, uh-oh, we better end this prayer and get out of here or we're going to be in trouble. And in my mind, I was thinking that he, was, he sat there and waited for us to leave. And since we didn't leave, he was coming back to make sure we were kicked off. And so he pulls up rather quickly, and he gets out of the car, and he slams the door. And he walks up to me, and I notice there are tears streaming down his face. He said, I'm sorry. He said, I was partway home. And the Lord spoke to me in my car. And he said, go back there and ask those people for forgiveness. He said, I'm here to tell you, you can clean the camp. You can use the camp. It's yours. I'm sorry. And I thought to myself, that is holiness. So clothe yourselves. 
tender mercies, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, and love. And that will make us and our message more attractive. Clothe yourselves. Let me read the same passage of Scripture out of Eugene Peterson's The Message. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. One of the things I love in verse 15 and 16 of, of the, the next portion, the last portion of Colossians chapter 3 is, that when you put on this wardrobe, the peace of Christ begins to flow in and through us. I was reminded of Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. For without holiness, no one shall see the Lord. Father, I pray today that you would help us to learn this list. That your spirit would convict our hearts of what is the appropriate attire for holy living. Forgive us, Lord, when our theology doesn't match our practice. And I ask for your help, Lord, for myself, that, Lord, I would whittle down my spiritual wardrobe to these six articles of clothing that, Lord, could might be more winsome to a world that's living in perilous times in a world where the common practices of the day are troubling and disturbing. And so, Lord, rather than being disgusted by what we see, Lord, help me to clothe myself. Help me, help me to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and through the help of your Spirit and through the fruit of the Spirit, Lord, that these articles of clothing would be evidenced in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me as we respond to this? This is number 82. <laughs> Search me, O God, and know my heart today. Try me, O Savior, know my thoughts, I pray.
I love to do is um, when I have an opportunity to do something unique or special occasion is to go to Kohl's and get me a new outfit so I can look my best for that occasion. I got thinking about that when I thought about this list, this wardrobe that God's called us to wear that we must put on. We've got a chance to be a witness, an incredible opportunity into a world who's living in perilous times. And I pray that we would get this new wardrobe and put on and clothe ourselves with these six attributes and make a difference. Father, I pray today that you'd help this list to be embedded in our hearts and in our minds. I pray that we'd keep this list highlighted in our, in our, our scriptures, in our Bibles, Lord, that we could be a, uh, a winsome witness to you of what you're doing and what your spirit's doing in our lives. And so, Lord, Help us to clothe ourselves with these things so that others may be drawn to you.